I was uh, I was writing about the movies for the Boston Globe. That was my job, and I had an editor there named Robert Taylor. And uh, Bob Taylor was a great editor. I mean, he would take my reviews, and it was like watching somebody do Rubik's cube. He would just do the he'd take a word out, he'd move a paragraph around, he'd cut a sentence in half, and all of a sudden, like within two minutes, it'd go from like a C minus to a B plus. Mm -hmm. And now at that time in my life, I'd never been to a horse race in my life. Um, I didn't think horses should be considered athletes because they were horses and it was silly. To, they couldn't put it in a hoop and they, you know, they can't hit a ball and they can't do anything that regular athletes do. So why do we think that they're athletes? So I yeah. poo-pooed the whole idea. <laughs> but if, if Bob, but Bob Taylor called me one day, he said, I'm going to the racetrack with a guy who's a friend of mine, who's the foreign correspondent for Time Magazine. And uh, we're going to Suffolk Downs, and I'd never been to Suffolk Downs. But if he told me wherever he wanted to go, I was going to go because I was going to learn something. And uh, so I went and I fell in love with it. Mostly I fell in love with the drinking and the gambling. <laughs> and then when I found out that it wasn't like a casino, you were betting against the other people. I kept looking around and I go, wow, that person's a degenerate gambler. And this person's had too much to drink. And this person looks like a drug addict. You know, if you really pay attention and read their past performances, I thought, you know, you could really beat this game. Of course, I found out subsequently I was totally incorrect. Uh, however, I did fall in love with with uh, with the gambling part of it first. And I really like handicapping races. I love reading the racing form, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later. I got really uh, we had a we had a basketball team at the Boston Globe. We used to play at noon, noon times. And half the half of those people were in that movie Spotlight. They were played by actors in Spotlight. It was half of that. It was all those all, all those guys that what that were played in that Oscar-winning movie. But anyway, wow. so uh, eventually we all got injured, and we couldn't play basketball anymore. And so oh, we we got together and we bought a horse. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> just a claiming horse, and I apprenticed myself out to a a trainer at Suffolk that was going to train the horse and get him ready yeah. for the race and everything. And I thought, well, if that's the one thing I'm missing in my handicapping is I didn't know about horses. Mm -hmm. So I get up at five 30, I'd be at the track at six 30. I'd work until wow. eight 30. And then I'd take the subway to the globe and change my clothes. It was like Clark Kent. Wow. You know, yes. And it was like, I had the secret identity that nobody knew about. And, uh, and then I'd go about my business. Wow. Well, so I was, doing stalls and walking hots. And at, at first, the only thing I knew about the horses, I was terrified of them because they were big and they were smarter than me. And, you know, it, it, I, I was just afraid of them, but eventually I didn't. And eventually I fell in love with them, which is a huge mistake. Oh. <laughs> because once you fall in love with anything, yep. your life's going to change. When yes. they say for better or for worse, you don't even know what that means when they say it. But now I know what it means. Because it, because that's what it was. It was like for better or for, or for worse. And I right. fell in love with the horses. And Aww. as time went on, I also realized that, that a lot of these horses that were done racing, especially at a place like Suffolk and Rockham and New England at the fairs and things, when they couldn't earn any money anymore they were vulnerable yes. mm -hmm. so uh they used to say in at suffolk that uh and in some of the other places that uh they they would tell me that oh i'd say what happened to that horse they, oh they found a really good uh, home for him at a, a, a riding academy in maine mm. i said wow you know there must be a lot of riding academies in maine but mm. i've never been to one of them mm. i've never seen one of them and then it finally occurred to me and 
slowly over time that that's really not where they were going. Yes. Yeah. So there was a, a slaughter truck that would show up on a weekly basis and just right. load these horses up. Right. And I thought, this is terrible. How can, yeah. you, how can, how can you have a sport right. where, you know, these horses do everything? Right. I mean, think of it this way. We got the Kentucky Derby coming up in a couple months here. Mm-hmm. Actually, a month and a half now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens if the gates open on Derby Day and a bunch of short people walk out like nobody's going to watch? Nobody's going to bet on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. The horses do everything for us. And the least we could do is provide a, mm-hmm. a, a soft landing for them. So mm-hmm. right. that was always in the back of my mind. And I did a story for the Globe uh, for a wonderful uh, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation program uh, that involves prisoners and, and prisoner rehabilitation with, mm-hmm. working with the horses. And uh, I did a story about a, a horse named Saratoga Episode that mm-hmm. The trainer I worked for had, and he was trained by Nick Zito when he was good, and uh, and uh, and when uh, Saratoga episode's uh, career came to an end, I convinced Carlos to let let him go to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, and he did. So we they sent him down here to Lexington, Kentucky, and Saratoga episode took up residence in the prison and. I only wrote two really good leads my entire career in journalism. And this was one of them. I said something like uh, the best day of Saratoga episodes life was the day he stepped into prison. And wow. it was really true because they wow. took good care of him. It was the greatest time for oh, him. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and I realized what great work the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation was doing with these horses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it came time, to, when when my career came to an end at the at the Globe, my my wife Diane White, who's a real was a really really good columnist, she was the first one to take the buyout, and I was the fourth one. And uh, at the same time, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation asked me if I would be their operations director. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I so I came down to Kentucky, and uh, and I ran that program for a year and a half. And it was too much of a desk job, and I was retired, and I was really getting a little antsy about sitting in a chair and doing a, a desk job, although I, I, I really re- loved the way they did all, all of their work and the way they had retired so many horses and so mm-hmm. many different ways that they took care of them, um, and I really admire them. Mm-hmm. I also thought in the back of my mind that there was another way to go about this. And one of the things that none of the other organizations were doing was taking stallions. And I realized from covering the movies, how people are around celebrities. And a lot of these stallions are celebrities. And I thought, you know what, I'll just do what the horse park does, which is, you know, they have their hall of champions over there. It's really, it's really cool. Cigar was over there. Mm -hmm. When I first came to Kentucky, you know, uh, they had uh, bold, bold Forbes was over there. I mean, they've, they've just retired all these great horses and done a great job and, and they drew a lot of tourists. And I said, well, supposing we tried that on a larger scale. And, uh, and so that's what happened. So in 2003, we started old friends and with a couple of horses here and there. And now we have, I don't know, a lot. We have a lot. 300, I guess, something close wow. to 300. And when you say yeah. old friends like that, Michael, old friends is the organization. And, you know, there's so much that goes into that, though. Can you mm-hmm. explain a little bit more about, you know, the, the organization itself and so forth and how sure. it operates? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a very good question. As I said, I like the drinking and the gambling. They <laughs> uh, gave us this really prestigious award at the University of Louisville that's named after John Galbraith, who owned 
a lot of good horses, including one of the first horses we retired named Sunshine Forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's for business acumen. And I said, when I got up to give my little acceptance speech, I said, you know, you people have made a terrible mistake. I had no business, no acumen, none of that. I said, it's all all drinking and gambling. And they thought I was joking. uh, because that's that's the way it is. So let's go. Let's go to the name now. First of all, I've never had an original idea. All my ideas, I but I know where to steal really good ideas. <laughs> and if you have a really good idea, no matter how bad you are at it, eventually it'll work. So the name Old Friends came from a wonderful book that Barbara Livingston, the award-winning uh, equine photographer, did. She wrote a book called Old Friends: Visits with My Favorite Thoroughbreds, uh-huh. and she'd gone around with her camera and and she's also a spectacularly good writer mm-hmm. and wrote this book called old friends and it had all pictures in there of fabulous old retired horses and i said this is it so i called barbara up and asked her if it was okay if i called it my idea old friends mm-hmm. and uh and and she gave our permission i called the clips press they gave permission so i stole that idea <laughs> now now it drives her nuts i think because now <laughs> they think she named her book after her <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad cute. to take credit too where it's not due <laughs> She wrote with such passion and her photographs speak for themselves. And, and the, the, the sense you got from that book is she really understood the value of these racehorses long after they'd finished racing and breeding careers. And I thought, this is the essence of what I'm trying to do. So I stole her name. I stole, I called her and asked her if I could steal the name. And she said, yes. And I called Eclipse Press who published the book and they gave us permission. And now uh, some people think that her books are named after the <laughs> after the farm, but it's exactly right. the opposite. And I'd like to make that clear to everybody who listens to your podcast that no, we stole that. We, we, we did that. In fact, I, good I, steal. I don't have original ideas, but I do, I do know which really good ideas to steal. It's a good one. And, uh, so, you know, that's, that's really how the name came about. And then I didn't quite know what to do after that. So I, I said to my, my wife, I said, well, we have to go to Kentucky. And, uh, and as I mentioned, Diane was a very successful columnist for many years at the mm-hmm. Boston Globe. And we lived near Harvard Square. And I said, I want to go to Kentucky and live in a town we'd never been to before. Mm. But we'd retired. Our parents were dead. Our son lives in Australia. Wow. So I said, let's try it. If we don't like it, we can just come back after a year mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Try it. So she mm-hmm. thought about it for a while. And she says, OK, I'll go with you, but only under one condition. I said, OK, what's that? And she goes, OK that when I leave you, you won't come looking for me. <laughs> but she's still here. That's so funny. Um, That's she's still here every day. Aww. And uh, that was, uh, let's see, that was in 2001. So you're a good team. That's great. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's been great. But I, I keep looking out the window, hoping when she leaves that the car comes back. You know? <laughs> Don't take anything for granted. And then we started. And one of the things that we did right about three months after we started, it was discovered that Ferdinand, uh, the Derby winner, died in a slaughterhouse over in Japan. And so I I started fumbling around uh, trying to talk to the Japanese Racing Association, the Japanese breeders about repatriating some of these horses. Well, I didn't speak uh, Japanese. I didn't read Japanese and, and, and there were obviously some cultural barriers. And every time I would propose this, they would say yes. And I found out subsequently when we became really good friends with, with all the Japanese racing leaders, um, 
I asked them about it and they said, well, when they said yes, it didn't mean that they were agreeing with me. It just meant that they understood what I was saying. Oh, no. <laughs> and no. so that was, oh, no. was a significant problem there. Now, the cool thing about this is they've been to the farm many times. Mm. We brought a half a dozen home, horses home from wow. Japan, including Charismatic, who won the Derby, War Emblem, who, who won the Derby, mm. uh, Sunshine Forever, who was a wow. masterful turf horse. I mean, we've been very fortunate, and they become superstars over mm. here. Mm-hmm. And the, and the best part about it, in a way, is that uh, Japanese now are going to open up an old friends in Japan. Wow. And because they realize we get so many visitors that it's a really good tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. And so the Japanese Breeders Association and the Japanese Racing Association have combined forces to, to create an old friends in Japan. And that's what they call it, old friends in Japan. Mm-hmm. And and they have a they have a logo that's better than ours. <laughs> and so I'm going to try and steal their logo. <laughs> Pretend that it. it was our idea. No, oh, I just want their logo. It's funny. really nice. And wow. and the idea they're going to have it over there is fabulous. And mm. now we're, we're making arrangements with the South Koreans. The South Koreans wow. buy a lot of our racehorses. And now we're, we're starting to uh, talk to them about the possibility about bringing some of them home. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's really exciting now mm, because yeah. now we're, on a lot firmer financial footing and uh and people more importantly people can come here that are owners and trainers and and and, and breeders and they can look at the farm and they can see how the horses are treated they can look at all their health care records so they know they're going to be well taken care of mm-hmm. i mean we send horses to rude and riddle which is like you know it's like the the mass general the cleveland clinic the mayo clinic yeah. of of horse racing yeah. of horses i mean the, the people there are spe- spectacular and mm-hmm. known all over the world anyway our our 20,000 our, our horses that are 20 years old that are old claiming horses that are never going to race again or breed again or anything else they go over there and they get the same treatment as if they're getting them ready for the Kentucky Derby wow, yeah. wow. so i'm i'm really that's wow. the thing i'm proudest of and uh-huh. and these horses we got horses that are you know our oldest horse is 31 years old now wow. and and, you know, I'm not that good at math, but I do know that if you're 31 years old, it's really important to have the fastest two minutes in sports for, you know, the first Saturday in May when you're three years old. But, you know, 28 years later, wow. you know, you have to you have to you have to have their long term uh, their long term health in, in mind at all times. One of our original veterinarians, Dr. Doug Byers, who's known worldwide for his, the way he treats horses. And, and his, he was a real, he, he passed away, but he's really a, a genius at taking care of horses and diagnosing them and making sure they get the proper care and the proper medicine. And he told me once, he said, it's very simple. He said, if every trainer and every owner and everybody at the racetrack, every jockey, everybody, everybody along the line asks themselves one question is what I'm about to do to this horse in the best interest of the athlete. And if you can answer yes, then go ahead and do it. And if you can't, then don't. So it sounds like an oversimplification, but it's really not. It really gives a great deal of clarity to all of this. And uh, it it gets a lot, you know, there's so much confusion going on about the rules and the regulations and what you can do and what you can't do, whether you can do it at this track or you can't do it at that track. And, and what's actually performance enhancing and what's not. And mm-hmm. it's just very confusing. And, I, and I've been in this sport for a long time now, and, it, and it's confusing to me. I can imagine what it's like if you're a trainer like Bob Baffert or a trainer like 
Todd, Todd Pletcher, any of these Hall of Fame trainers that have, you know, well, Bob doesn't maybe have that many, but, you know, some of these strings have 300 horses right. all performing at seven or eight or 10 or 15 different tracks on right. a weekly basis. Right. I mean, how do you keep track of right. all of that? Right. Very difficult. Right. So right. we need to be a little bit clearer about what medications are actually good for the horse and right. what aren't and just get rid of the ones that aren't. And that's right. mm -hmm. how right. hard is that? Not hard. It's not that hard that people would just get together and uh -huh. figure it out. It's not, it's not hard. Okay. Wow. Well, that's my little sermon. I promise that's the end of my sermon. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's interesting. So your organization to understand it a little bit better now, I mean, these horses are there, these athletes, these, these famous athlete horses, that's the way right. are there along with, other thoroughbreds, correct? For people, yeah, to come like and the see? ones I had. Okay. I have a horse here with me mm -hmm. that I claim for $3,500 at Finger Lakes Racetrack on, mm -hmm. on Mother's Day in 1999. Okay. Wow. Wow. And he's been with me all this time I, and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, so I figured if I could do it on Social Security and my pension, you know, other people could do it could do it too it's there not that different and it's and if they knew how much fun it was yes yeah you know i wake up every day and see these horses and i go this is you got to be kidding me uh -huh. and whether it's my horse summer attraction or a silver charm the hall of famer <laughs> you know they're they're really fun to be around and it it makes an old person's life meaningful they're instead beautiful. of just you know wasting away someplace i you know if i continued on the current that route the drinking and gambling total route i mean i would have been <laughs> done a long time ago but now I got more important things to do than than that, and and it's more fun. So these horses then are there for people to come and see, but can they also um, kind of adopt or or you know get some of these? Are the these horses there for people to come and see to visit to look no. at them? Here's the thing: when we first started, I adopted a couple of horses out, mm -hmm. and they ended up in bad situations. Okay, mm -hmm. it wasn't the people I adopted them out to. It's, when they got done with them, they gave them to somebody else. Right. And so they they, it, it, they, they fell into the same stream. Now, I don't know whether okay. they went to slaughter or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. And and so right then I said, I'm not constitutionally or psychologically prepared mm. to let these horses go. Okay. I'm going to just keep them here. Okay. So if there's so many really good groups like, you know, New Vocations and the Acceler Fund and all these other groups that do a really good job of retraining horses and turning them into inventors because servants, most of them are really, really smart mm -hmm. and they can learn other things mm -hmm. and, and they do a great job of that, but we are, we're just retirement okay. because I'm retirement. in love with them. Okay. And, and, and that's, that's the only, that's, that's the reason. Okay. I mean, it's not the answer to the problem mm -hmm. of what do you do with these horses once they retire, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a, it's a partial lesson in the fact that they're very, very popular. And, and we're just beginning to scratch the surface mm -hmm. of what these horses can do because nobody's done it. I mean, you had Stacy Clark on for the thoroughbred after Caroline's. Mm -hmm. The thoroughbred yeah. after Caroline's right. done a great job of bringing all these groups together. Right. And, and we, if I get a horse that could go on to another career and the owner wants to do that, I can, I can give them the number for new vocations or one of the other groups gotcha. and then they can train them. And so the TAA did everything instead of competing with other organizations, we're like these horses, the horses are done competing. I'm done competing. I'm not competing with anybody about anything. I don't okay. care anymore. 
Okay. I don't care who wins. I don't care who loses. I just care. Is the horse eating his hand? Did he wake up this morning like Aww, and eat his yeah. breakfast? Aww. That's, that's so basically it. They really, and, yeah, it's wonderful for them well, there. Yeah. With all, yeah, exactly. And with all these people, with everybody cooperating, I think a lot of the people that are active in racing today could take a really good lesson from the TAA and see the way the TAA brought all these different competing groups together mm -hmm. to work toward a common goal, which is the better betterment of the animal. Mm -hmm. And and it's not that hard if, if people just step mm -hmm. out of their little uh, mm -hmm. cocoons once in a while. Mm -hmm. Now they're little cubicles where they make little notes. Yeah, don't do much else. Yes, you know, yes. and make regulations that are crazy. Right. So. Right. So how many? Sorry, people, I, I said I wasn't going to preach, no, and there I go fine. again. No, we, it's it's wonderful. So how many people come through? Like on a, you know, is it? How does this? How does this work when people come through to to look at the horses to sure. to walk through, or how does this? Yeah, we give it, them a tour and we explain the horse's career. Whether it's okay. a horse like Game On Dude that Bob Baffert had made six and a half million dollars on the racetrack, or. Or a Silver Charm, who's in the Hall of Fame and won the Derby and the Preakness and mm -hmm. went to Dubai and won the Dubai World Cup. Mm -hmm. Or it's my little horse, Summer Attraction, and his 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 uh, his, uh, mm -hmm. his uninspiring career, but he's got an inspiring personality. Yes. And you don't know how people are going to relate. They just they just did a really really good story. Uh, we had a, a a celebration of Silver Charm's 28th birthday, and a woman came and uh, and she explained how. Uh, she was all, she was pretty much suicidal mm -hmm. and she came to the farm. She had, she had autism and really bad Asperger's and, you know, she, her brain was just wired differently than everybody else's mm -hmm. that she knew. Mm -hmm. And she came to the farm and she saw Silver Charm and Silver Charm gave her a kiss and he, she swears that he rewired her brain mm -hmm. and her whole life changed. Oh. It was like, it was like oh. Prince Charming and Sleeping Beauty or Snow mm -hmm. White or whatever it is it's like this fairy tale and they and they and they uh and they wrote a did a whole story about it and, oh and so, wow. so you don't again you don't know what value these horses have to my people goodness. i've had people i had a guy come here a few years ago big tough guy and uh he's on the tour and all of a sudden i turn around and we're going through the horse cemetery and he sees a horse named taylor special was buried there mm -hmm. And Taylor Special was the favorite for the Kentucky Derby in 1984. He won the Bluegrass Stakes. He won the Louisiana Derby. He was a really good horse. And, mm -hmm. and this guy dropped to his knees and started to cry. Aww. I'm going, oh, my God. So I took the tour off to the next mm -hmm. horse. And finally, when I came back, I asked him what the deal was. And he said, for two years, he said, I worked for Bill Mott. And this horse was not my only my best friend. He was my only friend. I spent Aww. every waking hour with him. Oh and then two months later, we got a box full of mm -hmm. pictures and newspaper clippings and mm -hmm. saddle cloth. This guy collected all Taylor's spe special oh, wow. stuff. So mm -hmm. Our next step is to build a museum here. Bobby Frankel, the Hall of Fame trainer, left us most of his trophies. I mean, we have a lot of great stuff that we want to display. We want to have a giant TV so people can watch the races mm -hmm. in their prime and, uh, and, and see what they accomplished and get excited about it. And, and so we're working on that. That's going to be our next project. Oh, wow. So I understand, too, now, not only is there, are there old friends, but I understand that there are people that are around the surrounding area This that come and see the horses. Is that true, that are, are friends of the horses, too, that are there or um, or not? I, I didn't know. I, I thought maybe I caught that in one of the talks that we had. No, 
We, you know, we give our tours all the time. We give them, we have three tours a day. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and we get busloads of people. Okay. Just to get back to your original original question, before COVID, we were close to getting, you know, 20,000 visitors a year. Mm. And that's, that's we get so much support, uh, both financial and emotional and psychological support from all their fans that come from all over the world to, uh, to, to see, to see these uh, great animals. Mm, yes. So it, it is, I mean, Expedia named us the number one tourist attraction in Kentucky. Mm. Um, so people we're, I'm not the only one who's fallen in love with these horses and think that it's really a, mm-hmm. a great thrill to be able to see them every day. People, people go out of their way. And, and then we have wonderful guides that, that give the tours and people that organize them and, Okay. We get busloads of people that come from all over the country. I'm sorry, I call it a bus. It's a luxury motor coach. You have to, you know, they don't like being called buses anymore. Okay. If they're in a coach all the way from North Dakota, they want to make sure it's a luxury wow. motor coach, not a bus. Wow. wow. And you have to have quite a few people to help with all of this, with all mm-hmm. of these horses, I'm, I'm sure. So it's quite a big yes. team that you have, I'm sure. Great team. Mm-hmm. It's taken us a long time to get the perfect team, but now we have it mm. uh, in, in, at all levels. Wow. And the people that work with the horses, uh, the, our stallion manager, our man, the manager of our horses, people that manage the office, people that manage all these sorts of things. I mean, this place never would have grown if it was dependent on, on my uh, meager skills at doing that sort of thing. And, but people, but, but what I've been able to, I'm like the, the old baseball managers that used to sit in the dugout and chew tobacco and get a fat stomach because <laughs> they didn't really have to do anything. They just had to make sure that the players on the field were terrific and they could just sit and watch the game. If they if you put the right team together, you just have to sit there and watch the game. You don't have to do much. There's quite a talent and, to that, though. <laughs> but, well, I can rec- I do. I can recognize really good people. I, I can't do that. I, 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 I can't do that. It shows for certain. So, <laughs> and they've been, and they've been working together and, and I'm telling you, you know, when we first started and just had a few horses, my wife and I used to have to climb over the fence and knock the ice off the waters oh, in the yeah. winter. And now I just, I just hear it. It's six 30 in the morning. I hear it. I hear, oh. I hear it. It's a lot easier being inside in bed, hearing it done than actually. Yes. Going out yeah. Yes. Yeah. We doing know it that. Yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, we understand. But over the years we've evolved and, uh, and changed and we're getting much more support from both individuals and from racing and from, from visitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very fortunate at this point to be where we, where, where we are and, and to be, you know, to be acknowledged by the Japanese that this is a worthwhile right. project for them to do. Just think how many more horses are going to have better lives now because right. of that. Right. Well, yeah. I just can't imagine, you know, like I said, these horses that do the great works that they do. And then, you know, where do they go from there that you've taken them on, you know, and, and how wonderful it is to know that they have this place that they can go to and the people that come to see them because they're magnificent. They really are. I don't think people understand sometimes until they get into it, but once they hear the stories and hear the background of the horses, I'm sure they start to grow deep inside of them. I think people get, once they get horses in their blood, <laughs> it's like it never comes out again. You know what I mean? It's in your blood mm-hmm. and it stays there. But there's something that horses do to people, you know, like that. We we all are horse owners here and you know, just, just have it in our blood, you know? 
Yeah, I know. I know the family. It's the same disease. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that if people, my main goal now is to get people to visit, mm -hmm. because then I don't have to do anything. As long as you <laughs> get them here, and they, as as you just smartly pointed out, you know, once you get them here, that's it. Uh, the other thing that's kind of like an ancillary but very important element to all this is I've met some great people. Oh, I mean, yeah. you don't get morons usually coming here to see these horses. Mm -hmm. People people come here that want to like the place. They're, mm -hmm. they're predisposed to like it because mm -hmm. they're kind and they're gentle people and they think animals should be treated better and mm -hmm. they're racing fans. And so you get a group of people that are really nice. So it's really attracted. It's made all the way through... Um, the years I've just met so many nice people that I never would have met mm -hmm. otherwise. So I, I think that's a really important element and people have met each other. I mean, yeah. we had a woman come on a tour once and uh, our main farm abuts a subdivision. There was one lot left to sell. And she was here from Detroit with her husband. And she turned around on the tour looking over the paddock. She goes, what's that? And she goes, is that an empty lot? I go, yeah, I think it's still for sale. She goes, she turned around to her husband and says, we're moving. Oh, wow. And two years later, they finished building their house and it's beautiful oh, and they got my. flowers. And now they live over there overlooking, overlooking the farm. And wow. unfortunately for them, I point that out on all my tours. Like, that person <laughs> over there. So they're part of it now. All part the, of the flowers story. on our board. There you go. Her poor husband got dragged here from Detroit. <laughs> That's cute. But anyway, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Very and, true. Yeah. Very good. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll enter our next segment, Canter Banter. Okay. Do you love horses and live the equestrian lifestyle? Be sure to check out our brand new blog at www.yourhorsefarm.com. We publish three posts per week and feature a free printable equine checklist every month. Yourhorsefarm.com is a great equine online resource, so be sure to share with all the horse lovers in your life. And remember, laugh much and ride often. This podcast is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing and Stalls, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866-653-8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. I can tell you how I claimed my horse in 1999. It was on Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. And I had to claim this horse. So, and you had to have cash and I didn't have it. And on Saturday night, I went to one of those check cashing places with a handful of credit cards threw them under that bulletproof glass and they go, I can get 300 on this one, 400. I needed $5,000. So I finally get it. And, uh, and I go home and I go, I got the money. I got the money. I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get summer attraction. And my wife said, you know, I got a very interesting phone call in the middle of all this. They called me and they said, madam, are you aware that some very odd activity going on with your credit cards? <laughs> and she goes, Oh no, that's just my husband. <laughs> but anyway so the next day i gotta call my mother and tell her why i can't come for mother's day oh no so i call her up and i go mom i said uh i said uh have you been watching the news and she goes yeah why i said well you know on mother's day you always go out can't find a parking place restaurants are crowded service is slow food's cold you can't talk because everybody's talking. You can't hear have a conversation. So it's a big mess. Why is that? And she goes, well, because everybody goes out on Mother's Day. I said, that's exactly right. So what's happened is the government's decided they're dividing Mother's Day up into two. <laughs> and if your last name begins with A, you stay on Sunday. B, which is you, you go to Monday. And without missing a beat, she goes, 
does this have something to do with a horse? <laughs> <laughs> she was on to, she knows her son. That's yeah, cute. That oh, that's so cute. Yeah, she knows so, you so well. It was well. pretty funny. Uh, uh, it, she knew that you were definitely involved in the horses. That's cute. <laughs> Aw. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, where can people purchase uh, tickets to go visit old friends? Well, they can, uh, we're, we have a website, uh, oldfriendseatwine.org. And also they can call the office, uh, which is uh, area code 502-863-1775 and, uh, and make a reservation. Okay. We have a big party coming up the day after the Derby. We have a big homecoming mm. party. And sometimes the people that actually win the Derby come the next day to, oh, wow. to our wow. party, some of the owners. And we always get some interesting jockeys and interesting trainers and, and people associated with these horses to, to come to that, wow. come to that get, get together. We have, a, we have a, a similar situation up in New York uh, where we're trying to expand. We have a facility up outside Saturday. Toga Springs called Old Friends at Cabin Creek. We have some retirees up there mm. and we're expanding, uh, we're expanding that, that facility up there and expanding our presence in, in Saratoga. So on Whitney weekend, we have a big celebration of the Hall of Fame and, and I have a really good party at Ann's Washington Inn. And if people want to know about that, they just have to call oh, Ann's okay. Washington Inn in Saratoga Springs. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast and encourage you to share with all your equestrian family and friends. You can tune into the Late Night Riders podcast show every Friday night. Each episode will be uploaded exclusively on YouTube where you can subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with all of our latest shows. Do you have a topic you'd like us to discuss? We want to hear from you. You may email us at podcast at or feel free to leave a comment below. Thank you again for listening.